Welcome to the Jason Tim Podcast. Thank you guys so much for taking time out of your nights to come hang out with another Jason. My guy Jason Maples has agreed to hang out and talk some hoops with me tonight. We've had a really hard time getting our schedules to match up, but tonight some stuff broke out perfectly and it worked out. Man, how you doing? I really appreciate you coming on. Good, man. I can't complain. It's uh, good to be on with you. Live. <laughs> Yeah, I know it's different. It's different. Um, but but yeah, and before we get started, I just wanted to say uh, congratulations on everything going on with your podcast. Honestly, man, you got you and Kings are doing great. I know you see all the numbers and stats and stuff. I'm sure you're liking what you're seeing because it seems like it's doing great, man. And I, I I think it's awesome. And I wish you guys all the success in the world. Yeah, man. Thank you. It was just, you know, King, Kings definitely brings another element <laughs> to the show. It's perfect. I, it's think, perfect. Yeah, I think that was fun. We kind of just kind of bounce off each other. I think it's just, it's a good team. Yeah, we got we got something to announce coming soon, too. So, you know, stay tuned. Look out for that. We got something big to announce coming up. So looking forward to Letting y'all know about that. I appreciate you, man. I, I, every time I see you pop up on the time, I, I stop what I'm doing and check it out. I throw the headphones on, so it's good to be here and a part of it for once. Yeah, so guys, that is the Temple of Hoop podcast. You all probably already listened to it, but if you haven't, that's where you can find it. Um, but yeah, the best part about it is you guys both know what you're talking about, and you can have some fun <laughs> right. while also knowing what you're talking about. And uh, I mean, for you in particular, I mean, this is literally your job. I mean, you you work in in the business of basketball. You you know what you're talking about, and uh, I think people should listen when you're talking. Yeah, uh, man, but COVID, on, COVID killing us, but it's fun. I got more time I, NBA basketball now. COVID killing us, but I'm good. Yeah, I, I hear you, man. I hear you. I feel I feel bad for all these kids because like I man, I would be pulling man. my hair out if I was in college and I was missing out on games for something like this. It's ugly. Ugh. Anyway, all right. So we're going to talk a lot about uh, tonight's game, obviously, but there are also a couple of things that uh, uh, things that I've been beating the drum on all season long that I'm really interested to hear your opinion on. We've kind of bounced a little bit on Twitter about them, but. I want to hear a little bit more in depth your opinion on, but I want to start with tonight's game. Obviously it's crazy. Uh, the, the Celtics only had 11 points in the fourth quarter through 10 and a half minutes. The Lakers seemingly put it away with a couple of big LeBron threes in a Dennis Schroeder and one, and then they go really cold. A couple of sloppy mistakes. LeBron and AD each have a turnover and Tatum just absolutely takes over. They're down, down the stretch and almost, almost steals the game. So uh, obviously a lot, a lot of good – both teams are playing extremely hard. It had kind of a playoff feel to it. No one was in a weird like back-to-back or anything like that. It was a really, really good game to get a feel for both teams. Uh, what, what was your initial takeaway in the positive respect to what you saw from the Lakers tonight? Uh, man, they, they got it out of rope. They're in the thick of this long road trip, and they got it out of win after an ugly loss. And I think that um, just the perseverance – the Lakers team, they're, they're a very tough team. I think that that showed tonight. They're just very tough in general. They didn't panic when Boston made their run. Um, kind of fell apart late with some of the turnovers, but like I said, man, just very heady and tough team. Like on that, even on that last play after the tur- after the turnover, Caruso has the wherewithal to sprint back instead of panicking and disrupt the final play, and it leads to Kemba taking a, an off balance shot that I was my heart stopped when he shot it because that's a shot he's made forever, but. Caruso being able to disrupt a fast break to keep from getting the easy one, just stuff like that. Just heart of a champion pretty much as tacky as it sounds. That's pretty much what it was. Yeah, Jared Dudley uh, tweeted after the game. He said that was our best win of the season. And uh, I, I actually kind of agree with it because, you know, when it comes to winning on the road, there's literally only one thing that matters, and it's getting in the bus and getting out of there with the W. Literally nothing else matters. It doesn't right. matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter who played well. 
it's just it's extremely difficult to win on the road, especially against a really good team, especially at the end of a long road trip like this. And and the truth of the matter is, is like the Lakers were the better team tonight. The the margin didn't appear to be uh, that type of margin because of what Tatum did at the end and because of some sloppiness. But the Lakers showed a lot of good tonight. And 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 all you have to do is look back and like you said, like you have to make these little plays in these rock fight type of games in order right. to get a win. And, it, you know, even in the Philadelphia game, it's a really, really similar sequence, not the craziness leading up to it, but, you know, the third best player on the other team with what you would consider to be a mismatch given the other players on the floor because the Lakers had Caruso and Davis and LeBron and attacking that matchup, getting to a little, you know, shoulder in the chest, step back jump shot. It, Tobias made it over the contest and, and Kemba missed it. Uh, but the, the Lakers made the plays that they needed to do to win both games. It's just, you know, make or miss league. They, yeah, I was just going to say that make or, make or miss league. That's all, mm-hmm. that's all it comes down to. But they, they're uh, on the road against a uh, what I team. Uh, uh, I think the Philly is the best team in the East to me. Celtics are a fringe contender. I think they have a lot of, they have a move to be made to shore up their center position. I'm not sure how uh, Kemba's going to be, be improved as the season goes on, but they're a fringe contender to me. Those are two, uh, just two great games to watch. You know, one of the Lakers obviously lost, but this game, the Lakers were able to gut it out, man. That was, that was a fun game to watch. Just, I like those games better than the, you know, high scoring, get 43s up, make 19. I like the rock fight games. Like those, those are more playoff oriented. That's what the, that's what it looks like at the end of the season. So I was, I, I enjoyed myself. Yeah, it was, I thought it was their best defensive performance of the season. Um, with the exception of a couple of crazy sequences where, you know, a uh, guy got hacked, uh, complaining about a non call, didn't get back in transition, that kind of thing. With that's exception, funny. That's, that's my biggest pet peeve with the Lakers this season. If a guy does not get a call, he just stops playing. <laughs> just wait for the dead ball. Oh, that's my, that's my only, is nitpicking as a team, I think is great. But my, my biggest complaint is if they don't get a call they like, that guy stops playing and it drives me nuts. It's insane. And, uh, but like outside of those sequences, they defended extremely well. There was a lot, they forced the Celtics to make tough shots and they did. Um, there were a couple of plays where they gave up offensive rebounds, but a lot of that is a virtue of the way their defensive scheme is set up because they're frequently caught in rotations and things along those lines. Uh, the Kemba stuff you brought up is interesting to me because I remember, you know, Kemba made a lot more sense with the Celtics when they initially signed him because Tatum and Brown were earlier in their development. And they really needed his on-ball creation in order to be kind of an engine in that offense. But now we're in this like awkward zone where Tatum is is ascending into this top 10 type of status. Jalen Brown is hot on his heels. You know, last year the Celtics came to Staples Center and Kemba sat out. I don't know if you remember this, but I think he was dealing with some knee issues at that time as well. And I remember everyone before the game was like, oh, that sucks. Kemba's out for this big showdown. And I remember thinking, like, I'm more worried about the Celtics like this. Because at the time, Tatum was killing it last year. But yeah, yeah, 39, that game, too. That game, yeah, too. Yeah, he killed in that game. And, the, and, uh, and the, 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 uh, Kemba being out caused them to lean more on lineups that were more switchable and, and that didn't have that, that Kemba Walker weak link. And I remember thinking, like, that was one of the big reasons why they were able to stay so competitive with the Lakers in that game. LeBron had to hit a game winner to steal that game, if you remember. And, like, literally, as I look at the, the Celtics now, like, it almost makes more sense to use Kemba almost in, like, a sixth-man type of role where he's, bringing, where he's bringing offense 
outside of their core lineups because honestly right now it, it doesn't make as much sense to have him out there with how good Tatum and Brown are def- or offensively and how much Kemba hurts them on the defensive end of the right. It's, it's, it's just crazy how the how the league uh, changes because I remember everybody was so big on them because you know, Kemba was their Kyrie replacement, right? He's supposed to be you know, less is more. He's more of an intangible fit. But I think what people were missing, this was even me watching the Celtics last year, not as much. They miss Gordon Hayward, his playmaking, what he does. He's a ball mover. He gets the ball moving side to side. He's a very high Q guy. He played a lot of point forward and kind of let Tatum and Brown kind of focus on uh, scoring, which is their strong suit offensively right, right now, scoring and slashing. So they miss Gordon Hayward. And I just think, like, again, I can't reason I can't put them on the same level as a Philadelphia or even a Brooklyn, uh, the center position. Like Tice is a six man to me. I mean, he's a, he's a he's a bench player to me. He's just in a series against Embiid. We saw last year uh, against Bam. He just is just he's just overmatched against those type of players. And I think until they make a move for a center, whether even if it's just a guy like Drummond, you know, I know it's expensive and it's hard to make the money work, but they just they need a center who can not be bullied by the top of the East, the big guys at the top of the East. Even Indiana is looking like they're going to be a top three or four seed. So. No, Boston's got some work to do, I think, from a roster construction standpoint. No, I 100% agree with you. I think anybody who has them ahead of of, uh, of Brooklyn or Philly right now is is kind of not taking into a, uh, into effect how good those two teams are. Right. The uh, I'm with you. I, w- I was actually pro Brooklyn until the Harden trade. I really think the loss of Jared Allen puts them at a huge disadvantage in a playoff matchup against Philly. Um, uh, but yeah, the, the interesting thing with Boston is I actually predicted they would struggle to start the year. Because of the fact that I, you know, playmaking, like taking on a, a different playmaking role than you had the previous season just takes reps. Like you got to figure right, it out. Right, right. And, and they leaned so heavily on Tatum and Brown the first couple of months of the season after not leaning on them as much because of Kemba and because of Gordon last season that I expected them to struggle. So I, I take them as a team that has more potential to peak later in the year as they just get more comfortable in their newer roles on the team. Like they're, they're, they're actually in a stretch right now where almost every night they're coming out and giving you 55 points efficiently and locking up on the mm-hmm. other end of the floor. So they, they definitely have that potential, but they're, you know, styles make fights. You and I talk about this all the time. There's, there's, there's a huge, huge mismatch problem with Joel Embiid. And there's not a person on that roster who, right. can, <laughs> who could even stay in single coverage. Right. Let alone force him to work hard or do any of the other things that you want out of that that defensive role. So, uh, but yeah, the, uh, speaking of uh, matchups, though, I thought this was an interesting one for the Lakers in the sense that you know you and I have talked a lot about how the Clippers present matchup problems for the Lakers in the form of their wings because the Laker defense is built on these like quicker, undersized guards. You know, right around that six five to six three range who are super quick, play really hard put a lot of ball pressure on the three-point line and kind of funnel guys into the into the basket where all their length is. But the problem is, is when you run into a Kawhi or a Paul George or a Jalen Brown or a Jason Tatum, right. is they, can, they can really take advantage in in uh, uh, in these like mismatches in the post against guys like all Schroeder's a great defender, but all of a sudden he gets in, uh, uh, he gets in the post against against Jalen Brown and it looks like trouble. So my, my question for you is what, what do the Lakers have to do to survive those types of matchups in a playoff series? I think they'll be fine because uh, this was a thing for me last year. I feel like um, LeBron and AD take more defensive responsibility in the playoffs. 
I think they did that. They took the more the more marquee matchups. Um, also, I feel that um, the adjustment for me to Lakers this year that I've seen the little, the, the make the, just a little kink in the armor is, like you said, they do that funnel thing where they funnel they hard on the three point line, funnel guys in the key. They don't have the same amount of size that they had last year. Uh, also, think when they put AD at the five more so in the playoffs. I think that'll be like he's an excellent rim protector. That'll do it. So it's not so much. It's one of those things where they'll have to work around. It's not necessarily. It's just something you can attack them with. But who else has Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Kawhi Leonard and Paul George? Right. It's two teams. It's it's, it's just not going to yeah. be teams with you know two. Those are the best four wings in basketball outside of LeBron, in my opinion. So <laughs> so it's, uh, nobody else has that type of personnel to bring them like that. So I'm okay with it. What I'm worried about is. Uh, I'm petrified of the Philadelphia 76ers. I've, I've said this before this season, looking at the roster construction, they bought Daryl Morey in. He fixes, he puts the best spacing that Joel and Ben have had in their career. So I'm nervous about the 76ers if that matchup happens. It's a long way away. Got to fight a whole playoff series. But yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm nervous about. I'm not worried about the Lakers defending wings. They'll work around that. Yeah, and well, so I 100% agree with you. The 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 Celtics and the the Clippers are the only two teams that present that problem, and both of them uh, have the same problem on the other end with their inability to match up with Anthony Davis. So it kind of goes it kind of goes both ways. Right. Uh, as for the Philly matchup, uh, actually, I was really really fascinated with how uh, Anthony Davis guarded Embiid at the end of that game. Embiid killed the Lakers for the most part, drawing fouls and, and getting into the lane and making his array of crazy shots until the end of the game when Anthony Davis started giving him more space and trying to bait him into uh, into step backs and things along those lines and just kind of beating him to the spot. He, he had one random crazy play at the end of the game where he like chested up on Embiid and Embiid just yeah. ripped through and got an and one. And I remember yeah. sitting there thinking like, man, like what are you, what are you doing? Like you're giving him – you're you're playing right into his one single advantage over you, which is ridiculous strength, you know, compared to you, you know. But you're you're just as long as him. You're 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 quicker than him. You can beat him to the spot and force him to shoot over the top. But you know, so my I I always say like you know a, a team like the Lakers have enough defensive versatility to peak at the right time at the end of a series defensively in order to overcome those types of matchups. Great example are, are, are the Damian Lillard matchup, the, the, the uh, Jamal Murray matchup, and the James Harden matchup. The Lakers basically said, like, we're going to double. And, and we're going to count on the fact that over the course of this series, we're going to figure out how to rotate on the back end. So that we're not that like towards the end of these pivotal moments in these games, you're, you guys just aren't going to be getting the same quality shots as you might early in the series. I think that's a big part of why they lost game one in, in the first two rounds and lost uh, an early game against Denver and were able to kind of peak at the end of the series. They just figured out, you know, we can double and rotate. So the same thing goes for a Joel Embiid matchup. And the same thing goes for a Jalen Brown matchup. The idea is like, don't leave him on an island with Dennis Schroeder. Just double and rotate. You guys are good at this. This is literally the bread and butter of your defense. You've got all these super quick players. You all play really hard. You communicate. You kind of cover each other's flaws. So just double and rotate, double and rotate. What I don't like is leaving him on an island and letting him get cooked and then everybody staring at each other and being like, <laughs> what happened? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it, there's been a lot of, you know, out, uh, like outcry about, 
Vogel and all that. But my thing is, he's won a championship. They've done it. So if you have you noticed, my complaining about the Lakers is way down this season. It's like I'm so relaxed watching these games. It's just like, you know, whatever. The only thing that bothers me is Caruso should be playing way more. Um, but other than that, like they've won a championship. The whole coaching staff has shown that they know how to adjust from team to team, round to round. So I'm just enjoying the games, man. I just I can't. They won. There's no need to apply pressure at that level. They, they've shown that they can adjust in the series and what they do in the playoffs. So it's fine. But please play Caruso more. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, and for the record, you were the complainer last year. So once you win a championship, it's definitely me to complain about. I'll say, hey, they no show, make a win. We're all good now. Just, just, just play Caruso more for me, though. Yeah, you you had some complaints and the Lakers overcame them. You right. have to, so you you're you're a man of your word if if not anything else. Sure. I I I am naturally an optimist with this kind of stuff. So I'm like on another level of confidence with this team because even last year when they were showing flaws like I I had I just I have like, you know, these basic pillars of what I think wins NBA basketball games, especially in the playoffs, you know, defensive versatility, super high end offensive players, and then having that alpha that doesn't shrink from the moment. And I just, I was like, the Lakers got all of these bases covered many times over. I just was always really, really confident that they would be fine. And now that they have one, it's like I said, it's just, it's just another uh, level of of confidence in my opinion. Um, So Let's start with AD. So this was AD's, I thought, best game of the season in terms of the way he attacked offensively against a good team. He's had some big numbers games against bad teams, but I thought Mm -hmm. he was much, much better defensively. He was actually shutting off the rim in a way he hadn't earlier in the season. Um, uh, But I I just thought he looked more aggressive, and I just thought he was finally kind of taking the game seriously in a way that he hadn't before. Do you think that he was coasting, or do you think he was hurt? What did you think was going on with him earlier in the season? Uh, probably a, a little of both, man. I, I talked this, we and Kings have talked about this. It's just, I, I, I didn't come in the season expecting to apply pressure. It was such a short turnaround and he's not the most, he hasn't has a history of being the most sturdiest guy anyway. So if he's patient himself, I'm not going to you know hold too much, you know, hold that against him too much. He, he understands his body. Um, what I do think is that on paper, he had a matchup advantage against the Celtics, just looking at just how the just have matchups were. Uh, LeBron was obviously going to be not stopped, but the wings that for the Celtics, it was a little like it's a harder matchup rather than going against Tristan Thompson and you know Daniel Tice. That's food for AD. Uh, he took ten shots in the first quarter. I was like, this is his game. I tweeted, I said, this is his game if he wants it tonight. And it seemed like you know he was aggressive, like twenty-seven and thirteen. He had a couple moments on defense where he kind of forgot to box out. He got himself posterized by, you know, Daniel Tice not forgetting to gain <laughs> the block out. Yeah. Uh, he got back cut a couple times uh, by Jalen Brown on, on the weak side. But, you know, those things happen in the basketball game. You don't play the perfect game. So, so but I I think people need to relax on AD kind of. Like, he's catching a lot of flack <laughs> because he's not going 100, 100 miles per hour every game. But I think he's fine. He'll turn it up uh, this, I think, when the second half of the season comes and get ready for the playoffs. I think he's just trying to make it, like, you know, we're we're in our thirties, so older guys like 70, 70 days for a new NBA season, that is a quick turnaround, man. And you gotta understand, even with the Lakers the stoppage last year, they didn't stop working out. Like mm-hmm. they were staying in shape. So they really went over a year straight of staying in in season NBA shape. So you gotta factor all that in coming back to this year. You know he's not the most sturdy or, you know, guy. So you gotta cut him some slack, man. Like when they get to the second half of the season. They'll turn up the, the – I have no doubt they'll turn up the intensity and be a dominant team. 
they're still with the first seed or a half game out of Utah for the first seed anyway. So what are we complaining about here? Yeah, no, I agree. Like the, <laughs> everything's nitpicky. I, this is this is what I said in my last podcast, and I and I mean it sincerely. Like I I think it's okay to acknowledge that he hasn't been playing well. I just I just also don't care at all. Like I just I just don't like I I I could I could not. I, you used to say the same thing last year during the regular season when LeBron was going through some down stretches. You're like, he's not the one I'm worried about. It's these other guys. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, that's what I, said. I was like, I'm, I'm never no. Yeah, and that's kind of where I'm at with AD. It's like of all of the things to think about with this season, the one thing that I worry about with AD is the same thing I worried about last year, and it's just this uh, this leaning on his jump shot thing. I looked I looked heavily into his shot profile last week. Like, so basically, uh, LeBron takes a lot of jump shots now, but with LeBron, he's 36. Right, he's he's literally coasting for good reason. And and if you look at his numbers, like he, uh, I, can't, I can't remember the exact numbers, but just a little under two for one, he's taking a, a shot outside of 10 feet twice for every one shot he's taking in the paint. That's uh, just a little bit less than two to one. And But he's 36. Well, AD is at the exact same ratio, and he's a big man who's in his 20s. Who So from that standpoint, like I, if there's one gripe to have with AD, he's leaning more than ever into that jump shot almost to the level of an old vet who's coasting through the season, but he's making it at a, at a lesser rate than he usually has been, although he was making them tonight. So that, that's the one thing that's weird to me is like, he's, he's shooting poorly yet shooting more than ever from the perimeter. And he's a, and the Lakers aren't playing a five man underneath the basket while he, while he's posting up anymore. Like this, this theoretically should have been a season where he was being more physically dominant around the basket. That, that's just the one thing that I think is that's, weird. That's crazy thinking. that you said that because because of what you just said, he was my MVP pick before the season started. That's funny. That's exactly how I was like, you know, they got the spacing now. Gasol is going to have to get respected from the three-point line. It won't be clogged up. I thought LeBron would take kind of a – not a back seat, but just, hey, I'm going to coast until the second half of the season. It seems like those guys are reversed. LeBron is like – Let's go. I love the hoop. 70, 70 days. I don't care. Let's go. And AD is like, ah, I'm going to work my way back into it. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been one of the more confusing things that I can right. remember seeing in my time as a fan is that that kind of role reversal. Because, like, there was every reason in the world for LeBron to coast through the season. He literally yeah. said he was going to. He literally said in a podcast, like, jokingly, I might not be there. Like, that's literally, <laughs> that's literally what he said. And, and but he's just he's just been attacking the season. I think LeBron I think LeBron is one of those guys that he really really wants his break and he was looking forward to his break, but <laughs> mentally once he accepted the fact that he was going to be playing basketball from December to July, once he mentally crossed that barrier, he was all in again. And it was like and it was like there was no half assing for him from that from that respect. And, you know, even in the past, people like joke about LeBron coasting through the regular season. And he has in the past, but it's usually on the defensive end. And this team, because of Frank Vogel and his ridiculous scouting reports and his ridiculous demand of of guys on the defensive end, Anthony Davis and his demand on the defensive end, Alex Crusoe and these guys, he can't coast on the defensive end of the floor. You literally get his ass chewed by all the other guys on the team. So I think I think it's 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 just classic LeBron settling into being a professional and just playing his ass off and understanding that it's going to inevitably inevitably just lead to him succeeding on the court because of his habits and his process. Yeah. Uh, do you, where do you have him in the MVP race right now? I have him second behind Joel Embiid, but if you give it to him, I wouldn't complain. I mean, you look at the, the the net rating stuff, the Lakers record. 
It's just it's all there. Like even just all the narrative stuff aside, the shooting. I think he's number one. Came into the tonight number one with off the dribble three point shooting, which is nuts for him to be doing that in year eighteen. I just think I haven't heard that. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. They said before the game they said number one in the NBA off the dribble three point percentage. Um, I just think Joel has been, especially this last ten days, he's at like thirty seven and twelve a game, and he's at fifty forty and eighty eight shooting the last seven or ten days. It's just where he is now, but it's also it's like this. So. I think it's like this. So, you know, LeBron and AD, I think they're going to be – I remember LeBron and Joel, they'll be battling for it all season. Uh, if Joel can stay healthy, upright, I think it'll be it'll be his to lose, but LeBron will be right there. Like I said, if you give it to LeBron, I wouldn't complain at all because it's definitely earned, which I with how he's playing this season. Um, it's just – I was telling, you know, Kings, it reminds me just watching the old great players, you know, the Michael Jordan, the Kobe, as they start to lose a bit athletically. You see how cerebral they are with the game. You can see everything moving in slow motion. And I think LeBron's at that stage right now. You know, he's not a, he's not a 1% athlete anymore. He's still a very good athlete. He's not the 1% athlete he used to be where everything's shoulders above the rim. But seeing the way he dissects the game from a cerebral standpoint, seeing everything two steps ahead, the jump shots flowing, it's just incredible to watch at year 18. Like I said, he's, he's in uncharted territory as far as being this effective and, and at the top of the league at this far down the line. So it's like, we have no choice but to enjoy the ride. We have no, there's no precedent for when this stops. So you just kind of enjoy it. And, you know, I'm happy he's doing it as a Laker. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. He, I, uh, I've been really impressed by that cerebral side too, because, you know, people were joking last year. You were actually one of them. And and, and I, I wasn't too worried because I had seen him in the, in the regular season a lot, but, you know, he was struggling with bigger athletic wings when he would go against really athletic teams, he would look old, you know, and then he obviously, had a lot of success in March against, you know, Giannis and, and Kawhi in those last couple games of the regular season. But there was some that back to back told like, me. Yeah. He, but he was struggling for a little bit early in the season where he just looked, he just was shooting, he was shooting poorly. He didn't seem like he was getting the same separation. And I don't think LeBron's any more athletic than he was at that point in the season last year. I think it is the cerebral, cerebral side. Like you can tell LeBron has adjusted the way he drives to the basket compared to the way it used to be. Like one of the things he's doing all the time now is he's calling for the screen and roll, getting the defender on his hip. And then instead of trying to like really rip through and go all the way, he's kind of like taking a dribble up to the free throw line, getting the defender behind him, kind of bumping him a little bit from like to, to get him off. And then he's going to the rim and he's doing all these like little old man tricks that he didn't used to do. That never used to be in his game in terms of the way that he would attack the basket. And so I've just been really impressed with the sense that like he, he even at this point in his career, isn't afraid to change the way he plays. And then like we said, he's taking more threes off the dribble. He's still like, yeah, there was a stretch there in the second quarter of the game where the Lakers where the where Brad Stevens was just doubling him every single time he got the ball inside the three point line. He never once forced a shot over the double. He just kept making the right play, moving around. The dude he's just seeing the game in slow motion right now. He never gets scared. He I I yeah, I I think it's been one of the more fun stretches of basketball for me as a LeBron fan to root for him just because like he just there's the 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 ring the fourth ring added like this whole other level of confidence to to his game and it's just he's just he's just floating through these things and everyone else is pl- like like crazy running around with their hair cut off and he's uh, hair on fire and he's just like cruising through these games um so uh uh two other things I wanted to touch on before I let you go so First of all, 
one of the things that stood out to me tonight and has stood out to me lately, and I'm interested to hear your opinion. So Montrez had three blocks tonight, he, and but all three of them came in scenarios where the the offensive player was into a, a second defender, kind of like shoulder to chest, trying to get some separation and throwing something up, and Trez would come flying in and help side and and swat the ball out of bounds. Where I think Trez is actually a really bad rim defender is is when he's actually head up with the guy. So think like on that yeah. last play where Tatum got the uh, the jumper over the top or the little floater over the top of him, or any other sequence where someone's coming freight train down the uh, down the middle and and Trez is waiting under the basket. He's actually not all that great of a rim protector when the offensive player sees him coming. I, I really struggle with him in pick and roll coverage too, because he always catches himself in no man's land. He's never he's never actually up bothering the ball handler, but he's drop. Also all he does is drop far enough. All he does is drop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, and it, it's it's honestly like so. I was down on the Trez signing from the beginning of the year. I didn't like the way it hard capped the team. I liked Dwight Howard in that role better. I've been pretty like I've been pretty disappointed with it and and now he's playing crunch time he was in there in crunch time again tonight like I've been really confused by it. what have your what what's been your kind of outlook on the Montrezl Harrell thing so far this year I was kind of lean with you where I, I was kind of uh against it but tonight I think down the stretch it was wild because it, it shrunk the floor because he was on the floor with LeBron and, and AD and I think it made it Lakers I think that's why they got stagnant late because the floor was just real shrunk with all those guys on there but in general I think Trez's effectiveness has been dictated by the matchup. I think some teams are going to feel like tonight he was able to have a, a big night. I think it was eight for ten or eight for eleven. He had he made some he had some just not a big team, but it's certain games like the uh, the Blazers game early on where just Nur- Nurkic and and Kenner are just a handful for him. He's not a great defender. Those big guys. You know, he plays center when he's in with AD because AD just playing playing power forward all right now. Um, the Sixer game is, is is tough sometimes. Even the um, the teams with those big with those big burly centers, I think that's not the matchup for him. But teams like this, where it's a guy like Tice and 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 Thompson, guys he can beat up and down the floor, guys he can face up and get by and, and kind of body up, it's a good matchup for him. So he's a good matchup guy to have. Um, I think he'll be in the hunt for six man. I think my my biggest underestimation of Trez was on nights when the Lakers lack energy, that's where he brings. Like, no matter what, he's going to play hard. He'll make a play to spark the team. And I think that's the positive what he brings to the team kind of intangibly. But tangible effect just depends on the matchup, which is fine. Because, like, like again, it's a testament to the Lakers' depth, man. They're literally 11 deep. They got 11 rotation players in the NBA, which is unheard of these days. Yeah, there are teams like that would kill to have Wesley Matthews and Marquise Morris and right. the, the just, odd men out tonight. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, no, I 100% agree. I, the thing with tries that bothers me is I feel like sometimes he's set up to fail. And, and what I mean by that is like, you know, when you're dealing with a flawed basketball player, you need to try to put them in a position where their strengths are shown and, and not their flaws. So that, that was the reason why I brought up the rim protection stuff a little, a yeah. little bit ago. Because, you know, asking Montrez Harrell, to stop guys on a, on a freight train to the basket, you're asking him to fail. You're putting him in a position to fail. That's not, that's not a strength of his. So, so what are Montrez's Harrell's strengths? So he's, he has a super high motor and then he's got, he's got really long arms and he's pretty quick, right? For a big, those are like his strengths defensively. So to me in the defensive scheme, that, that's a big part of why, uh, you know, uh, Tim, Tim Cran just was talking about this for a long time with the way they adjusted their pick and roll coverage. But like, to me, it makes a lot more sense 
to never have him drop because you're putting him in a position there to fail, but to use his strength. So if he's, if he's quick and he has long arms, it makes a lot more sense to have him trap and double screen and roll because in that, in that scenario, he can run around in rotation and be another big man on the floor. Use his like There was a play, Jason Tatum uh, runs screen and roll. It's LeBron and Trez in the action. Uh, 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 Tatum comes off the screen. Montrez literally dives with both arms down on the ball, takes the ball away from him, leads to a fast break for uh, uh, LeBron the other way, and I think he drew a foul. I can't remember, but it led to a basket or points the other way for the Lakers. And on that play, I remember sitting there thinking, like, that's asking Montrez to do something he's good at. That's, right, right, that's, right. He is actually capable of being an impact defensive player when you use him the way that he's supposed to be used. He's never been a good rim protector. If you ask, he, he can block shots in help side if, if a guy doesn't see him coming and he, comes, and he can really load up and come flying in to block a shot. Yeah, sure, he can do that. But that, you're, you got to ask him to play to his strengths. And the same thing goes offensively, like you said, attacking matchups. Yeah, it, w- when he has a, a, a chance against a, small, a smaller team to be super aggressive, that's when you need to keep feeding him, kind of like they did tonight. And then there are going to be games where he needs to take a back seat. But I, yeah. I just, I feel like some of the, the some of the gripe with Montrez is he's been asked to do a lot of the same things that the Clippers asked him to do, which is be a <laughs> drop coverage big, where he's just going to get killed. Like that's just right, not right, his right. strength. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. And I, I did say to to the to as far as using him better. Uh, Vogel did talk about today about they had actually had a coaches meeting about getting him in more pick and rolls. So like that was actually said today. So. I think that's something to look out for going forward. Also, to keep in mind, there's the practice time is basically zero. Like in season, you're playing every other day because it's a condensed schedule. So there's that part of it, too. Like guys just need reps. So we'll see how it looks as the season goes on. Yeah, they have all sorts of time to figure this out. And right. I think that's I think that's one of the things, too, when people are always like, oh, like, why is LeBron playing every night? Like, he should be taking some rest. And I think AD has actually been dealing with an injury, uh, uh, this quad contusion. The quad, yeah, the quad. Yeah. But like if if I'm these guys, I'm like I want to play all 72 because <laughs> I'm playing I'm playing 32 minutes a night if I'm a star and if I'm a role player I'm playing 25 and if I'm Crusoe I'm playing 17 for some reason. So like if I'm if I'm one of these guys, I'm like three times a week I'm going to play 20 minutes of basketball. Like the, right. I'm gonna, and I'll and I'll I'll play my ass off in those minutes to get in shape and to get to get the feel of the team. So uh, one last thing. So. I talked a lot in my last podcast about my beef with Schroeder in the starting lineup, and I'm really interested to hear your opinion on this. So basically, the, the, the quick version of the breakdown is this. Because Schroeder's in the starting lineup, it's forcing them to play LeBron by himself a lot in the way that the lineups uh, break down. So for instance, when Schroeder's with LeBron and AD, they're killing uh-huh. teams. When LeBron is with Schroeder, they're killing teams. Uh-huh. When LeBron's with AD, they're killing teams. AD and Schroeder's not doing super great, but a lot of that had to do with how AD was playing. But there's like a huge chunk of minutes, like 200 minutes. It's over 200 minutes now, I think, where LeBron has been playing with neither Schroeder nor AD. And I think a big part of that is the way the rotation breaks down because they start Schroeder mm-hmm. and, then, and then they take LeBron out with like five minutes left in the first. Schroeder and AD run the end of the first quarter and then LeBron comes back in and both Schroeder and AD go to the bench. And now LeBron's running the show by himself. And they're barely floating the ship in those minutes. And so there are a lot of reasons, to, in my opinion, to let Schroeder come off the bench. Because he can come out and be super aggressive. It helps you to get AD in a rhythm earlier in the game because you're less worried about Schroeder's rhythm. 
But most importantly, it's forcing them with the way the rotations break down to play LeBron by himself or not by himself, but with regular role players for large chunks of these games. So I have a problem with that from a strategy standpoint. What is your opinion on the whole Schroeder and the starting lineup thing? The reason I am not for a change right now is because Schroeder is literally playing at an all defensive level. I mean, he has opposing. If you look at the go down and list the, the shooting percentages of the opposing point guards that he's gone against, it's been he has had those guys literally locked down. Like tonight again was another one. Kemba was one for 12. Even on the last step back, he didn't get enough space for Schroeder to get a clean look. Schroeder's all the way up in him. Schroeder's, Schroeder's chasing him around, picking rolls. That's why I'm kind of – those are valid points you're raising, by the way. But I think just they're – the Lakers have made it known that they are a defensive team first. And I think you just kind of got to um, reward that. If anything, I say that you tinker with the subs a little bit to begin with. Maybe take a shorter ride a little earlier and then take LeBron out and then bring him back together or make it so that one is on the court at all times or either shooter or AD is on the court with LeBron at all times. Like you just have two of them on at the, at the at every moment of the game. But I'm, I'm, I'm against the starting chance because he's playing so well defensively. I think you got you to gotta kind of reward that, you know? Yeah, I, I hear you, and 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 it does make sense to me. Like, you like, make valid points. Those are those are points. That, those are good points you raised, though. It's definitely something to to talk about. And, and, and Sh- like Schroeder is the third best player on the team, and he's a really good point guard. Like he is yeah. definitely good enough to be a starting point guard in this league. That's not the the, the problem for me. And and I, and I I I totally see where you're coming from. And for the record, this is just me complaining because <laughs> they're, they're not going to make they're not going to make a change. Like right. why why would they? There's literally no reason for them to make right. this change. Schroeder's been playing a lot better in the last couple games than he had been in the games before that. So there's no real reason for it. But it's just it's just frustrating to me because like. I think of it from Schroeder's perspective. Like, you know, I would much rather play freely knowing that I can be aggressive and not have to worry about the way it's impacting the other players on the floor if I'm in that role. You know, Mm -hmm. in, in, in that case, like, you can tell. I think one of the big reasons why Schroeder went into a little bit of an offensive slump there is it is difficult to to figure out. Like, imagine if I dropped you Jason Maples on the court with LeBron and AD tomorrow in a pickup game. Would you even know where to go stand or what to do other than to go spot up in the corner? Like, okay, I was spot up in the corner, baby. They double up. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I'm saying. So like, it's just hard. It's hard to figure out. And like, and whereas like, what if I told you like, okay, LeBron and AD are checking out. I need you to go in and shoot five shots in the next four minutes. You know, like that, that's where it's right, like, a, it's right. a different, it's a different type of, uh, of, of approach mentally to that game. Definitely an adjustment. adjustment. And to your point, that can be handled by tinkering with the subs a little bit. My point is, like, when you have three players of that caliber, there's never a reason to have one of them on the court unless one of them is literally sitting out like AD did the other night. That's really the only, the, the only time to ever, uh, ever do it like that. Um, real quick, before you leave, what, what's, your, what's your take on the, the Harden, Kyrie, uh, 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 Durant, Nets? How do you feel about them so far? I'll say... The people who are saying that there's not there's just one ball, those people are nuts. Uh, you got three generational scores. Harden's an excellent passer. KD and Kyrie have already played off the ball before. Um, my issue is they they cannot stop anybody. OKC is not a good offense. They gave up 125. They just can't stop anybody. But my thing is if they can even get the defense to average, though, they'll go to the finals. They just become passable on defense to go to the finals. It's just when you have three guys who can fill it up like that, it's just uh, it's fun to watch. They're they're they are fun to watch. I just I don't think they'll get the stops. 
I'm hanging on to Philly as my number one to come out the East. Uh, I do have them better than, than Milwaukee, though. Bud is uh, Bud's running that crazy scheme where you give up threes to just all out, close off the paint. Those guys score too, too well for that. So I don't think the, they'll beat the, they'll beat Milwaukee. Um, Indiana is interesting because Indiana's strength is right where the Nets' weakness is, which is inside. Mm-hmm. I think Sabonis and Turner have a field day. But I think that's probably like a six or seven gamer. But I think the Nets win. I think the only competition for them is Philly. But let me – I'll put a – a uh, little pause on that. Let me see Miami at full strength. I think they just Harold, somebody in Tyler Harold's house caught COVID, so he has to sit for two weeks now. So they would get Jimmy back after two weeks. They got to sit Harold down for two weeks. So just the carousel goes on for them. Let me if Milwaukee can put if Miami can put two months together of just having everybody there. Uh, I'll like to see Miami play the Nets in the series too. But right now, I think Philly's the team, still the team to come out these, but. Like that team's going to be amazing offensively. Yeah, any any complaints about them offensively didn't make any sense. To yeah, me. Um, I I do believe I don't want to dive too much into it, but I do I do believe a little bit in the law of diminishing returns offensively. Kind of this idea that like when a Kyrie level talent is 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 basically turned into a spot up shooter. Um, it does on, on large portion for large portions of the game. It does it, like Kyrie is only so good as a spot up shooter compared to like, say a Wesley Matthews. You know what I mean? Like Kyrie is a great spot up shooter, but like if Kyrie is going to hit that at 50%, but Wesley Matthews can hit the wide open three for at 30% or 40, 40%, but you know, Kyrie can make the crazy crossover one, but Wesley Matthews can't even do that. There's like this idea like of diminishing returns where there's so yeah, much yeah. offensive talent on the floor that like there's some limit there. But I, people were crazy to think that they wouldn't find a way to find whatever that ceiling is they're gonna find it whatever the whatever the absolute peak of nba offense is those guys are gonna find it that's not my worry here's the problem the it's not even just about defense you need to be able to do three things to win a basketball game you need to be able to score you also need to be able to stop the other team from scoring you also need to be able to get the rebound when the yeah, other team they, misses a shot. Okay. Two of those things are lacking. <laughs> exactly. They are, they're not just bad in the other two. They're really bad. Yeah, in like the bottom other of the league. Bad. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So those, those would be my concerns. Now to me, this fix is easy. It's Kevin Durant. You know, Ke- Kevin Durant is Anthony Davis's physical ability. You know, Kevin Durant could be the guy who gets them from basement offense or defense, basement rebounding to 15th or whatever it is that they need to be mm-hmm. to where their unbelievable offense can get them over the top. I just think that that's a lot to ask him to do. Um, At this age, I agree. Exactly. And like, you know, I saw they picked up Iman Shumpert today. I, I like Iman Shumpert, but he's not going to be a difference maker in, in, in that regard. Plus with the guard redundancy that they have on that roster, it like how, if you play him with Joe Harris, Kyrie and, and James Harden, you're making yourself even more undersized. Like you need to, you need to like, need honestly, it's going to come down to Jeff Green and KD in the front court and whether or not they can match up with some of these really big teams. And if and if I'm if I'm Bam and Jimmy Butler, I'm having a field day on them on the other end of the. Well, you floor. saw you saw Bam last week. <laughs> yeah, if if I'm Giannis, like good luck, man. Giannis is going for forty three points a game in that series. Like it just doesn't make any sense to me. So I just was, you know, I I think like I think people have oversimplified basketball into 
you know, people people who are saying they wouldn't be able to score were idiots. That was that was yeah, absolutely that crazy. Me, yeah. But but the idea that that was the only thing they needed to do to win, I thought was silly. And and there's a, there's a little bit of like a a uh, uh, an unwillingness from that because they're early in the season and they're they've already kind of let their foot off the gas on the defensive end of the ball. Like K- KD was awesome the first couple games of the year, and then he's kind of let off. And like yeah, so yeah, my yeah. thing is like. Like it's this is the time when they should be most excited. They they just got James Harden. You know they're you got to build just, something. You got to build they, something. Exactly. This should be the time when they're like really stoked about trying to play defense. And it, 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 I'm so I'm I'm less worried about them. And uh, but at the same time, like I think you said this, and I 100 percent agree with you. If you give if you gave me one summer as the GM of that team, I'd figure out a way to turn them into a contender. Right. Like they, one summer, yeah. They 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 just need uh, they just need KD to make a couple of phone calls to key free agents. No, seriously, yeah, right. to a couple of key free agents this year that are like, hey, listen, man, like we're gonna do this. You know what I mean? But um, anyway, hey, dude, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. I'm really glad we got it, man. I appreciate you, man. I love it, man. I appreciate it. But you have a good rest of your night and a good rest of your weekend, and uh, let's try to do this again in a couple months. Not for sure, man. Let let me know. It's, it's nothing.